When I was a kid, I loved candy. I mean, I had a major sweet tooth. But my parents didn't give us a lot of candy. Oh, but my had a grandma, and she did. She loved to spoil us. I mean, I think she thought it was her calling from God. So every time I would get candy, I would eat a few pieces, but then I would take the rest and I would put it in a wooden lockbox and hide it away. That way I wouldn't have to share with any of my siblings. Then I would wait for the perfect time to enjoy it all by myself. Invariably though, I would forget it. And by the time I would remember that I had locked it away in my special cedar box, I would start to salivate and think about how wonderful it would be. Then I would go and hide away to eat it. Little did I know that cedar wood makes candy go bad and it would quickly age and taste nasty. Not only did my siblings not get to enjoy it, I didn't get to enjoy it either. I was so focused on it being mine that I missed the whole premise and opportunity to enjoy it, let alone to share it. You see, sharing is something that is especially hard for kids and often leads to tears in two-year-olds. But it's also something that is still hard for us as adults. We like our things and we especially like our space. Sharing is even harder with strangers. Last week, Pastor Mike kicked off a brand new series called Open House, where we're talking about hospitality. But I don't know, like hospitality pushes two buttons in us. First, it, it's not only asking us to share, but it's also inv inviting me to invite other people into my space and into our lives. And I, and I don't, I don't know about you, but like, that's hard for me. Like, I think there are four reasons why I struggle with hospitality. First is that I'm busy and many of us are barely have time for our family and friends. And so why would we invite anyone else into our circle of crazy, right? <laughs> like, why barely have time and space for this? Second is we view our home as a as a retreat. In the last couple of decades, our culture has bought into the idea that our home is our retreat. Just look at Zillow or any of the places where you see homes advertised. They're marketed this way. And it's a place where we pull away from the craziness of the day to slow down, to veg out, to watch some TV, relax, and to not feel judged, but to simply kick back put on a house coat and do whatever I want. And why would I invite somebody into that? The third reason why we struggle with hospitality is shame. My house isn't ready for guests. It's not big enough, it's not nice enough, or clean enough, or the list goes on and on and on and on. And so the last thing that we wanna do is invite someone over. I mean, how many times have I spent hours making my house the cleanest that it's been in months only to invite somebody in and then immediately apologize for the mess and say something like, oh, I'm sorry, it's never this way. Yeah, yeah, it's usually not this way because it's not this clean, right? But the truth is, if we are honest, we fear people will judge us. Not just our house, 
We fear that they're, they're gonna go ask to use the bathroom and then look through our medicine cabinet, right? Right, they're really gonna judge us then. And so we have so many fears and excuses on why we hesitate. But one of the biggest ones that I didn't mention is, why would I invite a stranger over? It's awkward. I mean, for me and for them, what, what will we talk about? Do we make food or snacks? I mean, if they're a Californian, I mean, they might be allergic to a whole bunch of stuff. And, and what will we talk about? And, and most importantly, when will they leave, right? Hospitality stirs up all kinds of emotions for us, right? Now, I realize there's a select few of you that absolutely love this. You, you have the gift of hospitality. But for some of you, like, you'd ra la you would ri literally rather do anything else. I mean, you'd rather pound sand, organize your attic, lick a thousand envelopes, pay your taxes. I mean, anything but endure those awkward moments, right? But God does call us to hospitality and for some really good reasons. And so this morning, let's dig in and see if we can learn something about why hospitality is important and what God might want to do in and through us. Biblical hospitality is something that's all throughout Scripture. And so this morning, I've chosen one short passage because I think it gets right to the heart of the matter. And, and then we'll dig into a, a few examples of hospitality in Scripture. But first, let's look at Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. It says this, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. The key phrase here that I want us to see is, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Well, what do we mean by strangers? Christine Poole, in her book on biblical hospitality, writes, Strangers are people without a place. I like that. She goes on to say that to be without a place means to be detached from basic life-supporting institutions and structures. But, but I like the, the simplicity of this because there are a lot of ways that you could take that. A people without a place. Meaning that they are lost without a place or simply they are strangers to us because we don't have a category to put them in. So in some way, they're without a place, either they literally don't have a place or we don't have a place to categorize them and so they're a stranger to us. Either way that we take it, there are lots of examples in scripture where people interacted with strangers. And how did they treat them? Let's look at a couple. The first is, let's look at Abraham in Genesis 18, 1 to 22. We find this story where he welcomes three strangers in. And we'll take just the first couple of verses here. It says, The Lord appeared to Abram near the great trees of Mamre. And while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent, in the heat of the day, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them. And he bowed down low to the ground. And he said, 
If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat, and you can be refreshed, and then you can go on your way. And they did. They stayed with him for a little while. But as it turns out, these weren't just mere strangers, but they were messengers from God. They were angels. Abraham only wanted to bless them, which shows that this must have been his normal practice, that this was how Abraham treated lots of people. But in turn, the angels chose this moment to bless Abraham and Sarah by prophesying that they would have a son. You see, they meant to be a, Abraham meant to be a blessing to them, but he received a blessing in return. And, and a blessing in return may not always be the case, and it shouldn't be our motivation, but it does happen. Like when our church went to Mexico to build a house, the whole purpose of us going was, was for us to bless them with a brand new house, a new place to live and to protect their family. But, but anybody who went on that trip would tell you that we came back blessed ourselves to be there and to, to have hospitality from them as they cooked us a meal. And, and the truth here is that you, you should always be ready to be hospitable because you never know who it is that you are hosting. I love that from this story. But there's another story of hospitality in Scripture. It's the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, 25 to 37. And this story turns so many, up, uh, so many expectations upside down. Here, it was the stranger who was hospitable. There was a man who was wounded alongside of the road, and everybody that we expect to help him doesn't. And, and the, the stranger uh, wasn't an angel, but the Samaritan still showed us the way to love God. Jesus was teaching them to love your neighbor as yourself, which sums up the law and the prophets. In this story, Jesus is saying, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And here the key is that strangers are actually our neighbors. And in this story, Jesus was upsetting the dominant worldview at that time. Because at that time, people only, only thought that their neighbors meant people who looked like them, thought like them, were Jewish like them, who believed the same thing as them. And Jesus was saying, even your enemies are meant to be your neighbor, even the stranger. And sometimes we still struggle with this today. I know I do. In our world, we are so maxed out that we focus our energy on taking care of ourselves, our family, our community, and our nation, sometimes at the expense of the other, especially the stranger and the outsider. And Jesus speaks clearly when he says, if we can't love our brother, our neighbor, who we can see, then we can't love the stranger either, and, and we will struggle to love God who we can't see. You see, no matter if it is our neighbor or a stranger, Jesus is commanding us in verse 37 to go and do likewise, to be like the good Samaritan, to be hospitable, even to people that we don't know or only see in passing. 
Jesus wants this impulse of love for God to impact how we treat our neighbors, including the ones that we don't know or that we don't normally see or wouldn't see because we're just looking the other way. That's the, the whole point of this second story. But there's a third time in Scripture that I want us to see. And, and, and so now um, there, there are so many stories of hospitality in Scripture, but, but there is this one that really strikes me, one that I've often overlooked. And it's the story of the temple itself. You see, when God had the temple built, he gave specific instructions on how the temple was to be built. I mean, exact measurements, where things were meant to be, where the temple was, where the altars were. And he made a place for everything and everyone. And that design included the strangers and the Gentiles. Well, well here's an, an image, and you can see that you've got the, you've got the courts, and you've got the, the altar, and you've got even the Holy of Holies. But there was also an outer court that was designed just for the Gentiles. It was designed to be a place of welcoming, a place for everyone to come and to interact and to learn, even for people who weren't Jewish. I mean, that's actually a big idea in its time, and it's, it's a big idea for us to think about, too. You see, so many people in our world feel isolated, alone, without a place. So many people feel like strangers in their own lives and in their own worlds. People without a place. And God knew this. And so, in God's kingdom, he's saying, we all have a place. We are all people that God created, that he loves, and that he died for. And that means that we are all of extreme worth, made in his image and deserving of love. And there are still things that are, are reserved for those who believe, but that, that we must make space for those who are seeking, that we need to be sensitive to seekers, sensitive to making space in our churches, in our families, and in our communities for people coming from the outside. God commanded that when he designed the temple, even in the Old Testament, so that we will always remember the importance of the outsider. And so you'll remember later in Scripture when one time Jesus goes to the temple. And what does he find there? He finds the money changers, people buying and selling things for sacrifice. But this isn't the only problem that's going on. Where are they doing it? The money changers had set up and they had overtaken the designated spot for the outsiders, the strangers, the Gentiles, and the pilgrims. In Mark 11, we read this. It's, it starts in verse 15, and he says, And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus entered the temple, and he began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables and the, and the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, catch this, for all nations? But you have made it into a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him because all of the crowd was astonished at 
his teaching. In another version of this same story, in Matthew 21, the text goes on to say that while he was in the temple, the blind and the lame came to him and he healed them. Jesus cared about them. You see, the temple was a place of healing, but if, if healing would have been done in, in the temple by the priests, it would have been limited to the insiders, to those who were cleansed, to those who could pay, to those who could go to the inner courts. And, and Jesus, what he's doing here, he was doing it out in the main area. In the area for the Gentiles, he was saying his healing, his grace, his goodness is here for everyone to be welcomed, not just for the insiders. Jesus was angry because the space for outsiders was corrupted to exploit the poor and the outsider rather than to welcome them in. Jesus wanted the temple to be a representation of his kingdom as a place of welcome, a place of hospitality, so that everyone would know and feel at home in the kingdom of God. You see, in the ancient Greek language, the word for hospitality that's used in scripture in many places like Romans 12 and, and so many other places is literally translated as love for strangers. I love that. Hospitality literally means love for strangers. Brotherly love means love for all our brothers and sisters in Jesus, not just those who are currently our friends. For by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. When we are hospitable to others, we really welcome Jesus, as we see in Matthew. And, and perhaps angels, as we saw with Abraham in Genesis 18 and as the story of Lot in Genesis 19. These are all examples of people who went the extra mile and wound up entertaining angels or entertaining God in his presence. You see, in the gospel, we, it comes, in, in the book, the gospel comes with a house key. Rosaria uh, Butterfield writes this, radically ordinary hospitality is this, using our home, and I would add your time, talents, and gifts in a daily way that seeks to make strangers and neighbors a part of the family of God. That's what hospitality is. It's using what we have to welcome people into the family of God. It's this biblical image of adoption. Taking someone who, who at some point was a complete stranger to us and loving them to the point that they become family. I love that. That image resonates deeply with me as a, as a person who cares about foster care and adoption. I love that image that scripture is using there of love for the outsider, that we would adopt them into the point of them becoming family. In writing about Hebrews chapter 13 that we read earlier, Charles Spurgeon, the great writer, says that love and empathy are supposed to be already there. They're supposed to be assumed. And let it continue. Not only love of a common kind, such as we are to have to all men, but that special brotherly love which Christians bear to one another as members of one family. Let brotherly love continue. Abraham did so, and Lot did so, and they thought that they were entertaining ordinary strangers. 
and they washed their feet and prepared food, but it turned out that they entertained angels. Some people will never entertain angels unaware, for they never entertain anyone. May we be given to hospitality, for that should be a part of the character of the saints. Wow, that's kind of a heavy word there by Spurgeon, but I love that he has a way of getting directly to the point. He challenges us to something that, 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 that we need to press into or learn more about. But what does this mean for you and I today? I believe that God is calling us to biblical hospitality. And what does that look like in our daily life? We have talked about strangers as people without a place, but, but what do we mean by hospitality? The dictionary defines hospitality as a cordial and generous reception of or a disposition towards guests. An instant of cordial and generous treatment of guests, or thirdly, it says, an act or practice of one who is hospitable. A reception and entertainment of strangers or guests without reward or with liberality and kindness. You see, in, in all of these dictionary definitions, there are two things. It's both internal and external. It's both an internal disposition and outlook or love towards others, but it's also an external act or a repetitive practice or habit like we saw with Abraham. You see, the Greek word for hospi hospitality is literally love for strangers, where love is both a feeling and an action. You know, hospitality reminds me of a time whenever I was a server at TGI Fridays working my way through college. Man, I loved it. I loved the rush. I loved the sounds of the kitchen. I loved the gratitude on people's faces when I got it just right and the food was perfect. But I'll tell you, it wasn't an easy way to make a living. It was, I was often tired and exhausted, multitasking, many tables and orders. But it was, but it was the, in that moment that I had to be focused. I had to be kind. I had to be attentive to their spoken and unspoken needs, always watching. I had to anticipate what they were going to need next and, and to check in, but not too much because people don't want to be bothered. You see, a good server at a restaurant is something to behold. They are worth their money and make it, and they can take the, the experience of a meal to a whole different level. Maybe you've experienced that at a really good restaurant. But hospitality is a step above service. It does all of this for free, out of love, expecting nothing in return. And this is what Jesus is calling us to. We are called to a hospitality that welcomes people in. Now, I realize that our culture is changing, and we don't go to people's homes that much anymore. I remember hospitality used to be something that was done in homes, and you would get invited over to people's houses. I remember in the area where I grew up, every Sunday at church, there was someone who was designated as a as a person to host the guests. And if you were a guest in our church, you would always get an invitation to go to someone's home after church. And since our family traveled quite a bit, 
Every time we would go to somebody's church, we were always invited to someone's home. And it, and it was an opportunity to meet new families and to make new friends. But times have changed. And people don't cook giant crockpot meals with extra just waiting for guests. And most guests would actually be uncomfortable going to some stranger's home. And so now we are more likely to go out to a meal together as a form of hospitality. Hospitality has changed. In some ways, it's a good thing because it's a way that's more hospitable and truly honors the guest. And so I'm not asking us to go back. But however, I can also say this it's, it's an intentional act of watching out for others. I have a lot of friends who are international students, and one of the things that I've learned over time is most international students who come to the United States are never invited to eat a meal in the home of an American before returning home to their home country. And I think that's something that's really sad. I think that's a, a missed opportunity, especially for us as Christians. You see, I love going to people's homes. Not all the time. I mean, don't all just call and invite me over at once. I realize it's really hard and stressful, especially with a child. But, but I love being invited into people's homes because it's a window into their lives. I know the stress of making sure that our home is quote unquote perfect and thinking that, that, that we're gonna be judged in some way, shape or form. But, but to see somebody's real life to see things on the inside, to see the verses that you guys write on your walls, to see the picture of, of times in the past or family members, to see what you put on your fridge and to see the people that you pray for and that you care about. These are sacred moments of authenticity to see inside somebody's world. And so to invite a stranger in is to allow someone to truly see us for who we are warts and all, and to say, I trust you. And I trust you to accept me even if my house isn't perfect. I mean, if they're going to judge me, that says more about them than it does about me. But what better way for us and what better way for other people to, to see an authentic view of Christians than for us to be inviting people into our home and to experience us on our home turf or to go onto their home turf and to, and to be with them. And who knows, you, I, we might leave a lasting impact on someone else that may be of eternal value. Now, I'm not saying that hospitality has to be done in homes like it used to be. There can be lots of forms of hospitality, but we need a heart of hospitality to look for, for new ways to live it out. And one of the things that, that I've learned about hospitality as, as a server was that small things matter. And it shows that you care, that you are paying attention. You see, whenever I was a youth pastor, I always wanted to inspire the youth. And so I was always looking for, to, to give examples that were big and, and radical ways in which we could go do big things for God. And, and I believe that that's important. But as I've gotten older, I recognize that it isn't always the big things that are great, but it's the small things done in great love. What are the things that we can repeatedly do on a regular basis?
And so as it comes to thinking about hospitality, what about, what about hospitality in a conversation? Just being there to listen to somebody. You know, when somebody's sharing a story with you, rather than just jump in and go, ooh, let me tell you my story about that same thing, or, or trying to one-up them, what about keeping the focus on them and getting curious and asking them questions and saying, tell me more about that. It's amazing what we will learn if we have hospitality even in our conversation. Or what about hospitality in brokenness? You see, we've all made a mess of our lives at one point or another, whether through sin, addiction, brokenness, or trauma. And so the question for us is, is are we a safe place where broken people can come and heal? Where they can come and talk about their stories? Where, the, where we can just walk with them in the midst of difficult circumstances? Just like the Good Samaritan, can God trust us to respond when we see someone in need? Can God trust you and I to be his representatives, to love our neighbors and the stranger as he would? even if they're different from us? In Matthew 10, 40 and 42, it says this, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. And this is Jesus saying, and he's saying, it's that important. When you welcome the stranger, it's like you're welcoming me. And then Jesus goes on to say this in verse 42. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Even a cup of cold water. It's the simple acts of hospitality done repeatedly in acts of love, which can make a profound difference in our world and in people's lives. The key is to bring the love of God into the reality of our day-to-day lives especially for the, for the stranger, for the outsider. As we close today, I want to challenge us. I, I want us to think about ways in which we can do this. I want you to, my challenge to each and every one of us, including myself, is I want us to make up our minds right here, right now, today, that the next time that we see someone in, meet, in need, that you will respond. Is it someone who just needs to talk? Maybe we'll listen. Is it someone who needs a meal? How can we provide that? Slow down and say, hey, can, can I take you over here and just get you a meal? But whatever it is, ask God when we see someone in need, what does it mean to be hospitable to this person in this situation? I guarantee you that if we all just start asking God, God, In this moment, will you help me to be hospitable? Will you prepare me for the next situation? I believe that God will show us how to respond in these situations. And you may be thinking, well, why is is all of this important? Why is it important that we're doing a whole series on hospitality? Friends, I think this is so critical right now in our world. It may seem all too simple, but I really believe that our world needs hospitality now more than ever. 
And for two main reasons. First, in our world, we are more isolated than ever, especially during COVID. We found that. And even since then, like people are so alone and life shouldn't be done alone. And hospitality is the entry point to community. And it's just saying, how am I looking out for people all around me? whether it's in the church or outside, whether it's my next door neighbor or whoever, I believe people are desperately alone and they're looking for people to just say, does anybody see me? And so that's the first thing. I believe our world is hungry for this. And then second, in a world where people have rejected the church or have been hurt by the church or maybe both, hospitality is the perfect remedy. You know, they may not be ready to be invited to church, but to simply to be Jesus and who he would be in that situation, you know, to people who would never come to church. But, but this is our opportunity to listen to their story, to ask questions, and to share our lives with them when the opportunity presents itself, and then to pray for them. Maybe before they even know it, we already begin to pray. But I believe that this simple act is so profound and powerful. If you look at the story of the early church from Acts all the way out through history up until today, it has been the habit of God's people being together and breaking bread and praying and sharing the word of God that has stirred the church from Acts 2 all the way to now, through growth. Even through the times of oppression, it has been these simple acts of getting together, of breaking bread, of being hospitable, of digging into God's word, of praying for people, and loving the outsider. That was what was so important, and I believe it's so important today. And just like the early church, I want to see our church grow. And, and I don't think it will happen because we get a bunch of fancy lights and fog machines, although I don't think there's anything wrong with those things. I think it will happen because we begin to live out biblical hospitality in simple and small ways that although they are small, they are radically different from our world. And you never know, maybe in so doing, you and I will get the opportunity to entertain angels. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this challenging word to us this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would stir something in us, a longing in our heart where, where maybe we have a longing, we feel alone to be a part of community. God, I pray that solid ground would be a place where we can experience that maybe for the first time today. And then, God, as you pour your grace in and through us, Lord, I pray that we would have an opportunity to be an example of hospitality in our world where so many people feel alone and have feel hurt or rejected by the church. Lord, will we get to be like the early church in Acts 2, where we get to live out radical hospitality 
in a broken world so that people can come to know you, your love, your grace, and your truth, and to know that it's been your plan from the earliest of days up until now that the outsider would have a place where they are welcomed in and adopted into the family of God. God, would you adopt us in afresh and anew this morning? And would you give us eyes to be a hospitable and to adopt others in as well? God, I thank you so much for this morning. Would you challenge us, encourage us, and let us know that we are loved as we go today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you come back next week as Pastor Mike continues this series. But as you go today, may you experience God's love, His grace, and His truth, calling you, loving you, and championing you into something new. Thank you so much. Have a great day.